0: Alright, you ready? I'm ready.
1: Alright, it's extra rounds courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. And it starts now. It's supposed to start now. Why isn't it starting now?
0: I don't know, it looks dark.
1: Start now! Jeez!
0: Look look at how cool this thing is.
1: I can't. I don't know what's happening. Hold on. Stop! Play! Go! Go! There we go. UFC Fight Pass presents extra rounds. Live from the Fight Pass studios in Southern California, it's Extra Rounds. Along with Ray Longo and Pearl Gonzalez, here's your host, TJ DeSantis. Extra Rounds. All right. I think in football they call that a false start and it costs you five yards. Hey, everybody. It's Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis along with Pearl Gonzalez. What were you showing us? I had the screen black. Like you, you, think you think someone you gave that. you like fire or something. What is that? Okay, it's not real fire, but it looks like fire.
0: It mixes my my protein up for me.
1: Okay. Cool. I'm excited about it. I mean, <laughs> cool. That's awesome, Pearl. <laughs> That's great. All right. Um, let's get to business. Our main event tonight, uh, was one that, you know, people weren't talking about just a week ago because it wasn't supposed to be Aspen Lad taking on Norma Dumont. Uh, Lad obviously was supposed to fight last week at 135 pounds. She did not make that bout, uh, due to a, a pretty tough weight cut. Uh, Holly Holm. Exits this fight and Aspen Ladd answers the phone with a hearty, sure, I'll take that fight. She takes on Norman Dumont. Dumont, uh, you know, kind of a sneaky factor in this 145 pound division. That, I mean, it's, it's, I hate to talk about the 145 pound division like a thing of the past because it's still here, it's still going on. And, and the reason I think it's still intriguing are because of people like Norman Dumont. Uh, contenders need to be built. Norman Dumont. I mean, she's lost a fight in the past, but she's building herself up quite nicely. And that it was obviously on display tonight when we see her defeat uh, Aspen Ladd. Your thoughts, Pearl, on on what we saw over the course of five rounds, uh, unanimous decision for the Brazilian 49-46 twice and 48-47.
0: You know, this fight was so interesting in so many ways. It was emotional, um, if you ask me, because... At, both fighters came in, and um, I would say Norma, did. She, she fought a very smart fight tonight where she, her jab was working for her. It was landing. She was able to control the distance um, and utilize it, and she did not need other strikes. She didn't need anything else, and I think that she didn't want to take any risks in this fight um, and risk getting taken down, and so she just stood with her jab the enti- throughout the entire fight. Um, and so it was just a very, very uh, smart fight that she fought, a very, you know, uh, where she didn't take any risks. She didn't want to come out of her, out of her structure, out of her balance or um, out of her fight stance, so to speak, because to avoid the risk of getting taken down. And when she was put against the fence, she didn't strike. She didn't create any, any kind of movement. She just defended and um, textbook really, if you ask, a textbook to how to fight a a perfect fight and and win with exactly what you need. Uh, She didn't add or utilize anything else in this fight. And for Lad, you know, she was just having a really tough night tonight. I think she couldn't get past the jab. Um, My biggest thing in this fight was her positioning in in the striking. Um, She kept coming in, and and she was kind of at the the foot of or the the corner of um, Dumont's lead leg. And when she would she would come in to, to enter, she would come straight forward and Dumont would kind of exit on an angle and just never really got any momentum, landed any strikes, was able to really find her positioning in the striking. Um, and, and with that jab, it kept her on the outside. So she had a really hard time getting inside. When she did, there was one moment in the in the fourth round where she was able to get Dumont down, and I mean, she, she looked like this. Like what we're watching right now, the Aspen lad that we know of, who's very, very dominant, who's controlling positions, who's vicious, who's grappling is just amazing, and and even her, her I've always um, admired her her clinch work in these fights, and and we didn't get to see any of that tonight. Um, and on top of, of of that, I think that it, what plays a big big piece in this is her missing weight last week right her supposed to fight at 35 i'm sure that this is this is an issue that's happened before i'm I'm sure that that mentally played something on her but again they kept they kept showing her corner and highlighting her corner and her corner was really frustrated with her her corner was like what are you doing what the fuck are you doing and they were yelling at her and scolding her and she was just like she didn't know what to say because not once did the corner ask her what is wrong? What are you feeling? What, what's going on? Talk to me. They didn't ask for any answers. And so I think that there are some discrepancies in the, in the corner. I myself have, have been in that same situation with my corner and the exact same approach and it did not work for me. The same thing happened. I resulted in the same. So I think there's a lot to to take home for a lad. She didn't get beat up. She didn't get knocked out. She didn't get submitted. Uh she she proved she can compete against these big girls at forty five. Um, maybe the weight cut was much better for her and I think this is a big learning lesson for her. She's still young in her career and has a lot to move forward. But there it was an emotional fight, for sure.
1: I, I wanna talk about uh the corner a little bit. Uh we're gonna call the segment Pearls Purview, which is just a nice way to say outlook. I I knew I might have to, like, explain purview for you. I could have just said, like, Pearl's, you know, uh, perception or something like that. But no, we'll we'll go with purview. Um, The corner definitely was fired up. And and I think there are times where a corner can implore their athlete quite well. Some people sort of need a kick in the ass. Others don't respond necessarily all that well. In the past, it seemed like... uh, Aspen Ladd has responded well to uh, her coach, you know, getting on her a little bit Uh, tonight. It it definitely didn't seem to, uh, you know, ring true the way that it had in the past. One thing that is always a narrative uh, in in times like these uh, are uh, that Aspen Ladd's head coach is also her boyfriend. It's her significant other. And fighting is an emotional thing. And, you know, I always admire athletes who look at fighting as just a, a technical um, you know, sort of exercise where, you know, the better, more talented person on that night who displays the technique walks away the winner because this is a, a, a fight for your life, you know, proverbial and literal at times. And I heard that emotion, Pearl. And I, I wasn't sure if it was you know, the good type of emotion. Now, granted hindsight's 2020 and Aspen Ladd didn't come back to win tonight. If she had, we'd probably be talking about this in a completely different way. But the fact remains, she lost this fight and looking back on the way that she was being addressed by her corner, it makes me wonder if that's a good idea.
0: You know, it's, it's very interesting. And, and what most people don't understand or realize is the relationship between a fighter and, and their coach the fighter and the coach spend the most time together more than you do with your family your significant others if you have one you spend most of your time with your coach so your coach typically knows you like the back of your hand they know when you do your facial expressions your postures they understand what's happening so i believe that the coach clearly saw something that what he saw in her and he was she was holding back Right. and um, and I think that he, he he probably knows her potential we all know her potential and we've seen her when when she does come forward and it's hard it's very hard when you're in a relationship with your corner it, it makes it much more emotional and it just taps into a different emotional aspect um, and so I you know I think that they both have an understanding of each other they have a communication obviously they're in a relationship so he, the way that he was addressing her was what they've fit best however as a corner right when when you realize that your tactic that usually works or what what works is not working there there's so much added pressure in the moment right it's a main event the bright lights she just missed weight i mean there's so many factors that are playing in and so as just like the fighter needs to address and and be flexible and and find the opportunity or find where they need to adjust I believe the corner needs to do the same thing. And sometimes this corner or this particular way, the style of coaching may work, but it's not working right now. So I need to be, I need to adjust. I need to be flexible. And how do I adjust to get her to respond? Because he was, he was spot on with her. If you heard throughout the fight, he was telling her more volume, come forward, lead with your right hand first to come in. Like, constantly they were very in tune with each other very in tune but it wasn't working right so you know i believe the corner could have come in and maybe adjusted and maybe just simply asked aspen what's going on right what is wrong in the second round what's wrong why are you holding back
1: well it's funny because you say that He, he kept saying i don't know what you're doing but the, he didn't ask, what are you doing? Right. You are you are right. kind of right. And maybe he doesn't want an answer back. Maybe he just wants to be shown. But at the same time, you know, communication, I think what you're bringing up should and probably go both ways in the corner. It's not just the corner talking the entire time, like figure out what is going on, gather that analysis and, and feedback. And, you know, it, it's also hard to be very descriptive when you're in the middle of a a fist fight and you need to break it down. But uh, I don't know. It just it didn't seem to be as productive uh, as it's been uh, in the past. So we're we're talking a little bit about uh, Aspen Ladd and and her future. I'll give you my thoughts on it. Uh, I think she should move to featherweight. Um, she's had issues cutting with weight in the, in the past. Um, obviously, tonight didn't go the way that she wanted it to. But if 145 pounds is going to be a division that the UFC continues to push, it's going to need contenders. Uh, Norma Dumont has some pretty impressive wins now back-to-back. Uh, former Invicta champ and in, in Felicia Spencer, she beat her. Now Aspen Ladd, who's been a standout in, in the Bantamweight division. Norma Dumont is, is making some noise, but unfortunately for Dumont... I don't really know what might be next for her because she's beaten pretty much every high profile featherweight that's there besides Amanda Nunes at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and they need contenders at that at that weight. So it makes sense. I mean, there's Holly Holmes still. Right. Well, who's injured and may come back. And that's that's a big fight. And I think that's a great fight. That's a great fight for Dumont because um, Holly's not going to allow her just to utilize her depth. Um, and Dumont, you know, she did, she fought a very smart fight. She, she didn't take any risks. She didn't risk any injury or any, anything in this fight. She, she simply came in, she found what worked. She heard the jab was landing, controlling the distance and doing everything she needed to do to win this fight. And, and she did just that, um, with Lad, I, I agree. I think that Lad Ladd should spend some time at 45. I, she looked a little small to me though. She did look like she had a hard time lifting up Dumont. Ah, uh, Dumont was is thick and and heavy, um, and dense, um, but Lad is you know it's crazy to 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 re- to think that she fought at 25 at one point in right. her career, and and um, now she's having a really hard time at 35. And so I think that it, it it needs to be addressed. You know maybe this was that fight where it's been a while since she's come down. Now she's down. She can make weight easier, um, but it. If, if the weight's going to continue to be an issue of 45, then she'll need to bulk up. And she will, to me, what I saw was there was not a lot of confidence in how heavy and dense Dumont was. Right. Because when Aspen threw until she was frustrated in the end, she was kind of throwing, she wasn't throwing to hurt her. She wasn't throwing with big power. So I felt like she didn't have much confidence in her size. And it's scary. You're moving up 10 pounds. You're move, these, are, these are much bigger athletes right. that you're competing against. And so, where where you kind of compete or, or go side by side with them, it, it's unknown. And so, um, now that she's had her feet wet, you know, maybe she can get a little bit bigger. And and I believe once we saw some of her confidence, we saw her on top of Dumont and landing huge strikes. Yeah, and that was that was Lad being Lad being confident and and just herself. So I think that you know a big factor in this was also her confidence
1: as well. Right, and we might not know and, and may come to find out that Aspen Ladd at 145 pounds is just a, a slower starter than she was at 35. Her entire movement and physicality just may be on a different schedule over the course of you know five rounds when she's fighting at 145 pounds, but uh, like you said, she got her feet wet. I, I think this was a lot of information gathering for her. And, uh, you know, moving forward, we'll see what she uh, wants to do. And, uh, you know, I'm always going to be interested when Aspen Lad competes because she's uh, a proven commodity, whether it's at 35 or she wants to take another fight at 45. I'm, I'm intrigued and entertained uh, by Aspen every time she competes. And that, that doesn't change despite uh, a loss tonight. Um, speaking of entertaining fights, we were treated to a heavyweight attraction in our main event. Event when the Pitbull, Andre Orlovsky, the former UFC heavyweight champion, took on Carlos Felipe. Uh, I mean, Arlovsky has been around for, for so long. He's the only guy to fight under every single ownership group uh, of the UFC, whether it be Semaphore Entertainment Group or Zufa or the, the William Morris Endeavor, uh, you know, time that is now for the UFC. arlovski has been there. He's done it all. He's captured a UFC championship and he's not done yet. He took on uh, Carlos Felipe, who was game to night I thought Felipe uh, did enough to win one round but I did side with the judges. I thought that Arlovsky did enough over the course of 15 minutes to walk away with the uh, decision. That said, Pearl Gonzalez, there is some uh, contention among the uh, fans tonight uh, online. I saw uh, pretty much split down the middle uh, between Arlovsky and Felipe over at MMAdecisions.com. Uh, your thoughts on, on this bout. Did the judges uh, get it right when it came to Arlovsky and uh, Felipe?
0: absolutely I think this is a very close fight uh it was I think that Felipe did such a great job of coming forward and he was so aggressive and vicious and every strike he was throwing was to take Arlovsky out but it was just his hands he was using and if you look at Arlovsky Arlovsky really had great movement he he was utilizing his straight punches very well tying them together with kicks when when Felipe was kind of trying to fade out um and then started he used some of his knees and 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 you know inside short work I thought that Arlovsky did everything he needed to do to win this fight it was very very close and especially towards the end when Arlovsky Arlovsky faded in the end was fading in the end and having a hard time throwing his strikes keeping his hands up maintaining posture but he still was evading he was still you know he he just moving so well in there he looked so good in there and you know, uh, the commentators, they said it themselves. I mean, this is a heavyweight that's trying to, to fight a fight elusive and utilize movement. And that's really hard for these, these big, huge athletes. I mean, they're heavyweights. Um, and so to me, the only thing I can say is Arlovsky is, is the fighter that literally just his whole identity is just like, never give up because he's this late on in his career. I think he's at what, 35. This is his 35th trip to the octagon tonight. And I mean, he's still improving and he's just had much more elusiveness tonight and movement and like, how do you have that after all of these years in the UFC and still just evolving and getting better. And uh, it it was really cool and really inspiring to watch Arlovsky tonight. I do agree with the judges. I believe Arlovsky won tonight.
1: Yeah, let's take a look at some of the stats for uh, Andre Arlovski. Again, back at UFC 28 is when he made his debut against Aaron Brink. He got an arm armbar, uh, then went on to you know have a, have a pretty solid and, and fun career. Uh, former heavyweight champion, a veteran of 54 uh, mixed martial arts bouts, uh, leads the heavyweight division in all-time wins, uh, leads the heavyweight division in UFC appearances, uh, and uh, again. This guy has just been a staple for so long. November of 2000 is when Arlovsky first made that journey to uh, the UFC's octagon. And I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think he's going to find himself in a title fight again. Um, you know, a lot of things would have to break his way. And, and one thing that Carlos Felipe did say, and, and I do agree with him, to a certain extent, but some people take this as an insult. I don't think it's an insult. I think it means you're gainfully employed. But Felipe called Andre Orlovsky the UFC's gatekeeper in the heavyweight division. He's a gatekeeper to being in the upper echelon of the heavyweight division. There's no doubt about it. If you can beat Andre Orlovsky, you're pretty good. If you can't, it's not your time yet. And Arlovsky is a great litmus test to finish his career sort of serving as that role, turning away the next generation. That's not quite ready and, you know, testing and, and proving that, you know, the next generation of those that can get past him are pretty damn good.
0: Yeah. And I believe at this point in Andre's career, he doesn't have to fight, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't need to do this. I, I believe he's doing it based solely off of passion and his mm. love for this sport. And, it'd be one thing if we were talking about Arlovsky and, 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 you know, describing him as the same fighter as he was five years ago, but every single time that he steps into this octagon, he shows improvement in some area tonight. It was what was impressive was his movement and his ability to, to um, pivot and and hit these angles. And he looked really, really good tonight as well as just kind of using his head movement to get under these big, huge shots that Carlos was, was throwing. Um, And, you know, Felipe, He's got some. You're right. He has some work to do. And yes, he's powerful. And yes, he's aggressive and he's ferocious. But like he, he didn't set up his shots very well tonight. He wasn't able to go once he re, you know, realized that the, 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 the punches weren't working. You have to be able to mix it up. And he just wasn't able to put any put that together tonight. Um, and uh, yeah, Arlovsky, Arlovsky looks great to me. He, he looks phenomenal.
1: And that's the thing, too, for Felipe dropping this fight tonight. He lost Andre Arlovski. There's no shame in that. There's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't, you know, prime Arlovsky in 2005, 2006, but it's still Andre Arlovsky. Like, no one's going to judge you for, for losing to Andre Arlovsky, even if it is 2021. Uh, Felipe will learn from this, and uh, who knows, maybe get a rematch down the road at some point. Uh, I'm sure Andre Arlovski will still be around and, and be, be willing. <laughs> Um, Speaking of still being around, let's talk about Jim Miller, who, man, this guy is on a mission, and the mission is just to be durable and and have longevity, and and tonight, he set the record, Uh, again, this is going to be constantly broken by himself or Donald Cerrone until both of them are officially retired, but, uh, you know, the most appearances inside the octagon, uh, for the time being, belongs to Jim Miller, and boy, did he make it a memorable one. A knockout uh, at just 14 seconds of round number two. Eric Gonzalez was game, too, and and not someone who was lost in the moment. You know, he's fighting tonight in his UFC debut against uh, a a staple, a commodity of this lightweight division. And he came to fight, Uh, unfortunately for him, Jim Miller. Turned out the lights again at 14 seconds uh, of round number two. And my God, I, I this was one of those fights, Pearl, where I jumped out of my chair. You know, like yeah. if my neighbors are probably thinking I'm a moron because I'm just screaming inexplicably because, holy crap, Jim Miller just scored a big knockout tonight.
0: Oh, my goodness. And, you know, the commentary said that he, Jim felt he, out of all of his fights, I think he has 50, I was, I'm not sure the exact number, but. Out of all his fights, he hasn't fought the perfect fight. So I'm curious to to know is was tonight the perfect fight? Because
1: 54 MMA bouts, by the way.
0: 54, geez. Um, he weathered the storm. I mean, he got caught with a with a big right hand in that first round and and stumbled and was and was having a hard time. But he weathered that storm and uh, continued to fight through it. And uh, you know, Gonzalez was he was so unorthodox and he was so like. I wouldn't say wild, but he was he was just unorthodox and not a traditional fighter. His rhythm his was it was offset. His timing was was not your typical one like pop up one-twos. It was it was just kind of oh here and then I'm gonna throw a punch here. And so his rhythm was different and, and when you have fighters that fight like that, whether it doesn't matter how clean their striking is, it's hard to time. It's hard to to, to figure out where and how to defend or counter these Um, strikes. And so Miller did a great job at weathering that storm early on in that first round. And then he started to find his left hand and he found it a couple times in that first round. Gonzalez did a great job of taking it. He did stumble, but he did a great job. And then the second round came. And and once he found a home for that power, that right hand, or excuse me, that left hand, it was in the second round, he came straight in. And landed right on the button and was able to put Eric out. It was
1: a, it was such a fun fight. No. And then Jim Miller uh, apparently called the shot before tonight's fight and then got on the mic and did it again with, with Michael Bisping. He's competed already in UFC's 100 and 200. And now he's talking about trying to make it all the way to UFC 300. If UFC keeps its current pace, UFC 300 would take place in July of 2023. So we're talking That's about. Much more realistic. Yeah, so like two years, right? Because the UFC does roughly 12 uh, pay per views uh, a year, um, numbered events, and doing the math where it basically looks like they do a pay per view every month, uh, picking up from. I, I think everything is sort of scheduled out uh, until February of next year. It would put 300 at July of 2023, which. Makes so much sense because July is, is generally that big fight week, that first big fight week uh, every year in Las Vegas. So, can Jim Miller actually make it to UFC three yeah, hundred? That's a tough tough task. If anyone can do it, it's going to be him. But man, like I don't know if he can do it at lightweight. Pearl, this this division is hard. Um, I will look that up uh, in just a brief moment. But but again, in the light lightweight division, like. It's infinitely harder to do that than, say, do what Andrei Olofsky's done in the heavyweight division.
0: Right, right, for sure. You know, again, this is another one of those fighters that you look at and you can just say, wow, let's we what we need to be doing is is going and and talking to him and Arlovsky and Cerrone and these guys and, and finding their blueprint and how they have been able and managed to have such a long career It is so. This sport is so brutal, and and my and was talking about this throughout this fight. the 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 fight game is just it's so brutal on the body, and not not just the fights necessarily, but the wear and tear in the in the camps and the training. You you just it's it's hard on the body, and and to be able to do what these gentlemen are doing, thirty plus fights in at the highest level of this sport, is nothing short of amazing right and so we do we need to be going and looking at their blueprint and what they've done in recovery and training and everything and just kind of digesting all of that and dissecting it and the future the future generation should really take a look at that because not many people can last you know past five to ten years in, in MMA
1: 38 years old is Jim Miller
0: Wow. I mean, it's very realistic that he can make it. And the commentary said uh, 2025, and I'm thinking, oh, my nah, God, I don't know if nah. he's going to make But 2023, that's we're about to be in 2022. So right. that's so realistic. And I could totally see him him doing that.
1: I totally had to go, what year is it? Like right now, <laughs> like when I started doing the math. <laughs> like I feel like 2020 just never came. You know what I mean? Because like nothing really happened. But it is 2021, despite the last year feeling I wish we could just like, it, yeah. 2020
0: that'd be good.
1: Well, I think we kind of have because nothing happened outside of mixed martial arts. Right. For right. the most part. Um, got a, a tweet, by the way, I want to, want to bring this up, uh, a guest of the show, I think last week, uh, tweeted tonight, uh, an interesting question, and it stems uh, from this uh, Gonzalez and, and Miller fight. Uh, Michael Carter Williams chimed in on Twitter, said, "Can someone explain to me why people uh, get black belts after knockouts? Um, it, it's simple. Uh, you get a black belt because you've you've done something. You've 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 attained something. You uh, have. It's not just so much like a jujitsu." thing, right? Like, yes, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but like, when you earn your black belt, that's not actually when you probably get handed your black belt. It happens, you know, longer down the road. You do things to sort of attain that status and then in that moment, like, maybe his coaches were just waiting for a moment to celebrate and getting a UFC win via knockout, like, there you go. let will celebrate. Black belt. Uh,
0: you know, I think that uh, depending on what his team gave him the black belt for, was it for striking? Okay, then, then maybe. I mean, some some places do belt and right. belts belts uh, for striking. Uh, I've never been to a gym like that, but um, traditionally, I mean, your black belt is given to you for jiu-jitsu, and if it's jujitsu, it's usually because, one, you've either shown that you have the uh, knowledge and skills of a master, right? Right. Or two, you've put in 10-plus years and you've put your time in, and and Maybe you're not the best jujitsu player, but you've spent X amount of years on this mat and and it's well earned through time given. So um, I don't know. Did did we, I guess we needed to ask Jim Miller that question. Was it for time? I don't think it was for the knockout. I think it was they were waiting for a moment, a moment like that. Right. Yeah. A moment. And that was and that's the best moment. What better moment than when you're, you know, under the bright lights uh, in the UFC octagon, to, to to get handed your black belt.
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing too. I think that a lot of people um, sort of think that a black belt is is a meritocracy, which yeah, it, it is. It's supposed to mark how good, how skilled, how learned you are in, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But okay. I remember, yes, that's okay. that's actually what you would say. Really? It's 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 not, it's not right. wrong. I promise you Me that. Ooh. Um, yeah. So like, uh, Hicks and Gracie once said. Uh, that not all black belts are created equal. And there are some people that can attain their black belt quicker than others. And it's because they're actually not as skilled as others, because others still have more to learn because they're more capable. He, he said that a black belt sort of signifies that this is about as good as you're going to get. And I can't make you any better. So you're essentially maxed out. And that, I thought that was really intriguing because right. we hear a lot about some athletes getting a black belt in like four or five years. I don't think those black belts are are given with the same sort of analysis that that Hickson was talking about uh, that they've maxed out their potential because uh, like Gio Martinez, you know, he's a guy that got his 10th planet, yeah, too. like that th- that dude's still getting better to this day, still getting better. So, uh Again, and it comes down to, like, who's giving the black belt? Because some black belts, I mean, they're only purple belts in other gyms. You know what I mean? It's, they're not all created equal, and, and that's one thing to keep in mind. But I think you and I are on the same page. Like, Jim Miller had probably done whatever he needed to do to deserve this black belt quite a long time ago. But why not, you know, have that moment and, and give it to him uh, after a big UFC win? So what, what
0: year did he uh, was his debut in the UFC?
1: I can tell you. Let's take a look at the bio for Jim Miller. Um, his debut came at UFC 89 in October of 2008.
0: So 2008. I mean, just alone in in UFC, he's he's put in what what is that? 13 years. Yep. 13 years. I mean, typically your traditional amount of time for you to get a black belt is about 10 years. I mean, just alone. That's not. That's not the rest of his record. That's not how long this man's been training jujitsu or mixed martial arts that we are aware of. So right. Just based off of his UFC, uh, his UFC stint, he's been well. He's earned his black belt.
1: Thirty-eight UFC appearances, like, dude. <laughs> that that's enough to get a black belt, in my opinion. Like the fact that you were relevant enough to just get thirty-eight fights in the the, the sport's largest promotion. That I mean, who does that? Nobody does that. Jim Miller does that. and Donald Cerrone, I guess. But that's it. That's it.
0: And Arlovsky. Arlovsky's right. behind them.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, so, Jim Miller, can he make it to UFC 300? Yeah. If it's yeah. July of 2023, yeah, he can. And I hope he does.
0: Me too. I'm going to be rooting for him. I have mean, got to get him on the show. I want to I wanna ask him about his trading.
1: He's a phenomenal, his phenomenal human being. I got his number. I can probably make that happen.
0: Yeah, that would be so awesome because I really would like to dissect some of the training, man. There's no way that you make it 38 fights in the UFC. How do you do that? Right. Yeah. That to me is like something that's gold. There's gold in there for sure.
1: Except there's not because he never captured a UFC championship. <laughs> I could, I could, I couldn't resist. As as
0: he's, he's had th- champions in you know now. what,
1: you know what, he he might not get a UFC belt, but there's got to be a gold Hall of Fame ring in his future. So there's gold in there, Pearl.
0: Yeah, there
1: is. You're right, You're gold in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't have too much to talk about oh besides that. Okay,
0: so there are some other fights that I saw tonight that were. Amazing. All right, what do you want
1: to talk about? Um, there is the,
0: the flyweight fight uh, in the on the main card. It was uh, oh, Dumont. No, no, I'm that
1: was present. the main event. That's featherweight. <laughs> that's all right. Silva. Yes, oh, Silva? there you go.
0: Silva versus what's the the French woman's
1: name? I will pull it up for you Uga, right now. Uga, Uga. Um, I'm not I'm not good with pronunciations and I phonetically wrote it down, so allow me to find my piece of paper. Uh, Myra Silva. Yes, in Manon Furio.
0: Furio, oh my goodness! This fight was very exciting for two reasons Uh you we potentially saw tonight a contender at the flyweight division emerge. She's uh, the, the French woman is French. Is that the right thing to say? Correct. Right? French. Okay. Okay. The French woman, she's now eight and one or nine and one. Um, she's both, she's had three fights in the UFC. Her first two ended in TKO. And the second, this one went the distance, but it was, she's just a sh- striking master. I mean, she comes in, she's every punch that she's throwing, she's throwing bombs. She's got a beautiful sidekick that she must've landed at least 15 times in this fight. Myra uh, Silva, she is a black belt and has really good grappling. I mean, she came and I forgot who she submitted right away in the first round. Um, another tough opponent in the flyweight division. So these two girls are kind of emerging into this, into the top, into the top echelon of the flyweight division. And this fight was so fun. We had Myra sticking her tongue out and kind of egging on the French lady because I can't yes. say her name. Furio and. And Furial, I mean, she was coming so ferocious, and and Myra was taking this these shots full on, but was doing such a great job just blocking, blocking yeah. them. Yep. And um, you know, and then at the end, Myra ended up taking her. Furial ended up taking down the jujitsu player, which was very interesting. Um, so it was just this was just a really fun fight in the flyweight division, a very important fight in the flyweight division, um, because obviously. Furio will be making her way into the upper echelon of this of this division and so she's one to look out for and if you didn't see that fight you should definitely catch it because it was a very fun fight
1: I love you uh you know, putting together your own rundown too like I, I should I should have made the graphic for that one I'm sorry I didn't do it it's
0: okay. There was another fight that was very, very fun, and it was in the uh, early prelims, actually.
1: Well, let me go down the performance of the night bonuses real quick because we just got them, and then you can probably allude to them off of that. Uh, Performance of the night info. It is in Jim Miller, uh, Nate Landauer, uh, Bruno Silva, and uh, Dana Baterell all get 50K for performances of the night.
0: That was not the one I was going to talk about.
1: That's okay. Now, which one do you want to talk about?
0: <clears throat> so, in the early prelims, I don't even know their names. It's so bad. I need to get better at names. Um, it was a strawweight fight. Nunez uh, versus the other lady.
1: Uh, I'm going to pull it up. Yes, uh, Ariane Carnelosi against yes. uh, Estella Nunez. It was uh, the first fight of the night. Um, yes. The end comes rear naked choke at 2 minutes and 57 seconds of round number 3, Ariane Carnelosi is your winner.
0: Ariane Coliosi. Carnalosi. Took so much damage before she got that rear naked sunken. Nunez is, is, uh, was on a suspension. It was her first fight back. This woman is so talented and striking. I mean, she, her, her distance and her ability to throw power shots, her ones and twos were so clean. Just her, her boxing looked so good. She was ferocious, was able to just constantly land and keep her range moving backwards. Because Carnelosi was was relentless and just moving forward, closing the distance, and trying to get this fight to the mat. And uh, Nunez just was an incredible striker and 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 powerful. And every strike when she did throw was ferocious. Unfortunately, she ended up getting caught and in the rear naked at the end. But she beat up Carnelosi. I mean, this was a fun fight. Knees to the head. There was elbows. I mean, it was just such a fun fight. Another fight, if you did not catch that, you should
1: definitely catch it. Look at Pearl fight. Gonzalez. I mean, you know, in front of her UFC fight pass early, watching the early fight pass <laughs> prelims, getting it done. I mean, I mean, yeah. you're obviously putting in extra rounds tonight after the fight, but you're putting in the real rounds early in the afternoon. 1 p.m. start today here on the West Coast. A little little yeah. later than that. But, uh, it was 4.30 my time, I
0: think, here on the East Coast.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. You're you're out there in Brooklyn again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sick as hell. So uh, no, it was it was a fun night of fights, and um, I love fights. What can I say? So I, the women, there was four women fights fights tonight. Yeah, and again, that's kind of that's it's a big it, deal for us women.
1: You know what's funny about that? I don't even notice it anymore, Pearl. Like I just like it doesn't stick out to me as hey, there's a bunch of of women fighting tonight. It's hey, the UFC's on. And men and women right. fighting the UFC. Like, it's, it's good to, to have that still jump off the page, but like, we're truly in a time where, I mean, women were in the main event tonight. I didn't bat an eye twice. They were in the, we main, event in the main
0: event last week. Exactly. Right. We, I mean, we've had two main event spots in, in the right. last two weeks. It's it's um, last week, it was like history breaking where all the bonuses were awarded to all females. Right. And it, it's just such a great place for where we are in our sport.
1: Really yeah, is. especially when you and I first got into the sport. I mean, how many times did you hear? All right, everybody, it's time for a chick fight. <laughs> it's like, God, no, don't say that. Don't do that. No one wins when you do that.
0: Yeah, yeah bad. No, it was, it was amazing. I can't think of the fourth fight tonight of uh, the fourth woman. Fight, but yeah, it was a great night of fights
1: tonight. I can pull it up. I got notes and everything. They're just not as easily accessible as I'd like them to be because... I'm disorganized. Uh, Ariane Carnelosi and Estella Nunes. Uh, that was a badass fight. Luana Carolina defeated Lupita Lupi Godinez.
0: Oh, wait. Let's talk about her. She made history tonight. So Lu, uh, Lupita fought last weekend.
1: Right. Yep. Quickest turnaround and in the modern quickest era. Quickest
0: turnaround in seven days. She stepped back inside the cage. Yes, that was a great fight. That was a close fight, too. But so now,
1: look out, Jim Miller. Uh, Loopy is going to break your record in about 38 weeks.
0: <laughs> that's realistic, right?
1: Well, I mean, she's on pace.
0: Oh, my gosh. Like, that's amazing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having two big fights in the UFC? No. Less than two weeks?
1: I can't ever imagine <laughs> having two fights in the UFC, but I digress. <laughs> it, no, it is crazy, honestly. In the modern era, too. You know, have a fight and get out unscathed enough to where you can just turn around and, and fight again. Like a lot of people are like, I was this guy. I was Brett Akamoto, brought it up on the broadcast. I couldn't help but say, no, Brett, the quickest turnaround in UFC history happened at UFC one when Gerard Gordeaux uh, defeated Taylor Thule and then came back and fought Kevin Rozier about an hour and a half later. That's not the modern era, but in, in the modern era, you you are right. When you think about certain athletes and and how particular they are about making sure their bodies go through the proper process in between fights, some people demand eight weeks of training camp. Others demand ten to twelve weeks. So to do it on seven days, like you can't ask her. So what'd you do for this camp? N- nothing. I slept and nice. came back you three days know. later. You did. Yeah, she
0: probably did. She probably was recovering most of the week from the last from her. How can you not? Fight, right, and just kind of just like, mentally. She's not out of shape. She's not out of shape. She's right. It's she Not like her timings off. It's just a week. Um, and then she came in and she competed at flyweight. She's a she's a strawweight. She weighed in at one hundred and twenty-one pounds. Right. Competing as a flyweight and couldn't even didn't even make the weight, but um, still went in there. And I mean, she put on a really good performance tonight. She she almost got the victory but um fell short to uh i can't even think of her name but she did a great job of just defending the takedowns and and utilizing her her uh, muay thai
1: yeah no i uh have to give huge credit to her for for doing that stepping up again uh two fights in seven days um you know a lot of people aren't going to do that period doesn't matter yeah. if they won their fight in six seconds. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, don't, I don't know if Jorge Masvidal is coming back seven days later after he beats Ben Askren in six seconds, you know, because right. Masvidal's got to go and do like a world tour or something. That's what he, that's what he does.
0: Exactly. I think that the, the one, the closer one was Hamzmat.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, Shemayev. Yeah. I think that was like, uh, I feel like that was like a weird one where it was like 10 days or something like that. Because it was like a mid midweek back. fight.
0: Yeah. He comes back. He's on the he's on the next card, isn't he? Or the the. Uh, it's. I think it's right. in two
1: weeks. Yeah, two weeks. I Dubai. believe. Yeah, man. Th- there's a lot of action coming up, and it all leads it's to uh, a phenomenal uh, pay per view uh, in in Dubai, and then Madison Square Garden not long after that. Time. Oh my god! Like it's
0: crazy. That's a back to back pay per view. That's insane.
1: Yeah, and like we're in the midst, uh, I think, of 10 weeks straight of UFC fights. So, I mean, I just get lost in it. Like literally when there's not a fight on Saturday and my wife wakes up and I'm still home on Saturday afternoon. She's like, wait, what are you doing here? I'm like, I I got the day off. And she's like, really? You can't do something like you can't leave? Go do something else. Like This is my time. And I'm like, yeah, it's your time. I get it. I live here, too. No, it's not true. That's not true at all. I shouldn't paint her as such a villain. No, it's all right. Uh, All right. That does it. Pearl Gonzalez. Thanks. We'll be back next week.
0: You. I'll see you guys next week.
1: All right. Goodbye.
0: Bye.
1: There she is. Pearl Gonzalez. Putting in that extra work here and extra rounds week in and week out. What are you going to do now that we're wrapping up the show? Well, nothing yet. Stick around because I'll officially be back to wrap it up right after this. It's extra rounds on UFC Fight Pass. And I am also bald. I gotta move my camera because you look like Cyclops when you move back. Dustin, look, he's, he's matured into a great fighter. The biggest bank heist in the history of the world, you're not surprised. He was fearless. I want to be remembered as one of the greatest female fighters. I want to the Chuck Norris, man of action. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Chuck Norris, he's got nerves of steel and strength to match. Chuck Norris with his team, Pepper. It's too dangerous too much Kimo the samurai warrior Reed Chuck's teenage apprentice Tabe the sumo champion with Chuck Norris they battle the sinister forces of the claw remember this and the ruthless super ninja I'll finish Norris. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris karate commandos well there you go Chuck Norris Karate Commandos Available for you On UFC Fight Pass As well as a slew of other Chuck Norris films and cinema So extra rounds might be over But go dive into that Step into our world right now Over on UFC Fight Pass Uh, We keep the action going tomorrow Live from San Diego As Cage Warriors is back The UK's hottest promotion Comes stateside once again And are putting on another show In sunny San Diego I'm actually going down there I'll leave tomorrow It's like a two hour drive Watch some MMA I haven't been to an MMA event Where I haven't worked In Like seven years That's not a lie Maybe eight years I'm pretty excited So uh, if you're around In San Diego Say hello Say you listen to Extra Rounds And I'll Blush And look at you awkward And we can take a photo Or something I'd say I'd give you Something cooler than that But uh, I don't have anything Cooler than that I'll buy you a Limeade Or something like that All right, Uh, I want to thank you For staying up late On this Saturday Thank my Guest Well she's not my guest She's my co-host My better half here On Extra Rounds Pearl Gonzalez We'll be back next week uh, breaking down the next UFC card. And again, just counting down the days to some of the biggest events still coming your way from the Ultimate Fighting Championship here in 2021. I can't wait. Madison Square Garden is going to be absolutely phenomenal. And then uh, Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira. That one just announced. I think tickets are on sale Friday for that one, T Mobile in Las Vegas, Nevada. I can't believe it. It's fun. I can't believe it. All the action. Is phenomenal, and uh, you can get it uh, from the UFC. All right, that's it. For Pearl, I'm TJ. It's been Extra Rounds right here on UFC Fight Pass. We'll see you next week. This concludes our live broadcast of Extra Rounds. Are we still on the air? Watch the archive anytime on UFC Fight Pass or Facebook.com slash UFC Fight Pass. You can also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.